Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Keyboard Kimura Podcast. Here on Monday, June 6th, I am E. Spencer Kite, as always. And as we kick off UFC 275 Fight Week, as we get into the swing of things here for Saturday's pay-per-view event at Singapore Indoor Stadium, I wanted to talk about one of the participants this weekend, arguably my favorite fighter to watch in the UFC over the last several years, the reigning, defending, undisputed flyweight champion of the world, Valentina Bullet Shevchenko. Shevchenko is amazing to me for a multitude of reasons, and and I am going to absolutely get into them. But before we do, just the quick rundown for those that aren't necessarily as familiar as others. She turned 34 years old in March. She is 22-3 overall, 11-2 in the UFC, each of those losses coming against Amanda Nunez at bantamweight, both on the scorecards, the first at UFC 196 in a fight where Nunez won the first two rounds, Shevchenko won the third, and everybody in attendance and watching at home, myself included, in the building at the MGM Grand, felt like if that fight continued, Shevchenko gets the victory. The second coming a couple years later in a championship fight where Nunez wins a split decision and a lot of people, probably to this day, would like to argue that Shevchenko deserved the nod. She is currently on an eight-fight winning streak since moving to the flyweight division. She has earned six consecutive successful title defenses heading into this contest against Tyla Santos. And she is, to me, the best fighter, the most complete fighter, I should say, in the UFC at this moment. And I don't actually know if it's close. So a few of the reasons that Shevchenko is someone that I am so fascinated by, so enthralled with. The first for me is that, I mean, even coming up, in the bantamweight division to do what she did. She made an immediate impact, right? She showed up, short notice, takes on Sarah Kaufman, defeats Sarah Kaufman, the former Strike Force champion in her UFC debut. And we kind of don't necessarily know what it means. We don't know whether that's she's terrific or Kaufman's maybe not quite as good as we thought or, or where everything sorts out. But that second fight, her second fight, was that contest with Nunez in March of 2016 at UFC 196, and it was an instant, instant identifier that she was the goods. She was the real deal. She was somebody that was going to be a threat in this division and a contender in this division because Nunez was on the ascent at the time. She would go on to fight Misha Tate at UFC 200 and win the belt and then begin her dominant reign over the division. The thing that's very interesting to me is that it feels like while Shevchenko was a contender at bantamweight, and losing that second fight, that championship fight to Nunez, there was a lot more attention and vocal support and vocal kind of public outcry about how great she was and that she deserved to be the champion and that she had beaten Nunez. And now that she's down at flyweight and absolutely dominating the competition, it seems to be, seems to me, that there is less attention paid to her. I think that is because people look at what she's done and how dominant she's been 
and think that it means the opponents she's facing are just not that good. They're not particularly quality fighters. And I think that's a mistake. You look at Caitlin Chukagian, who is the reigning silver medalist of the 125-pound weight class coming off a split decision win over Amanda Hibas earlier this this year, last month. She is she is the person who perennially sits one behind Valentina, and the gap between the two of them is vast, as we saw when they shared the cage together. But I think people misconstrue that gap as meaning that Chukagian isn't skilled and is nowhere close to Valentina. And I would posit that the reason she's nowhere close isn't because she's untalented. It's because Shevchenko is that good. I think the thing that people miss or the thing that people maybe don't quite put together correctly is that these dominant performances that we've seen from her, the Lauren Murphy win, the Jessica Andrade win, the Chukagian win, the knockout of Jessica I are not because these women she's sharing the cage with are untalented, unskilled fighters. Jessica Andrade was a champion at strawweight and is right back to being a contender there again. She came in and, and beat Chukagian in her first fight in the division to earn a championship opportunity. We know the level of Jessica Andrade, and yet she had nothing to offer Valentina Shevchenko and that's not because Jessica Andrade is not a terrific fighter. It is because Valentina Shevchenko is orders of magnitude greater than anyone she shares the cage with. And in terms of skills, in terms of facet for facet games in mixed martial arts, there aren't many that can match her. Now, if you want to argue that Jessica I or Liz Carmouche, or even Jennifer Maya, for that matter, are not particularly good fighters. I'm not going to sit here and argue with you that Jessica I is an elite talent, but she is a very good fighter. You do not, as I say regularly on these podcasts and in my work on the newsletter, you do not stick around the UFC for as long as she has, and be in the top 10 for as long as she has, without being a good fighter. I think we have gotten to a point where we don't quite fully remember how to rate these athletes and, and how to correctly describe and measure and rate these competitors in terms of what they do, in part because we have fighters like Shevchenko that make it look easy and make it look as if these fighters don't belong in the cage with her, which isn't, again, a reflection of their skills. It's a reflection of hers. She is that good, and we learned that, I think, full force even before she moved to flyweight, but then again when she went down and beat Joanna Janjacek for the vacant belt. That was another instance of we know the quality of Joanna Janjacek. We know what she had done, and, and sure, she was coming off two losses to Rose Namajunas a little bit earlier and had just gotten back in the win column and is naturally a 115-pound fighter, but moving to flyweight and being a two-division champion or being the first flyweight champion was something we all talked about while she was dominating at 115. And then she went up and didn't have all that much to offer Valentina Shevchenko. Again, I say it and I know it's become repetitive already in these first not even 10 minutes. But that's not a reflection of Joanna Yanjechik not being a good fighter. 
it is an indication of the level of skill and focus and ability and talent of Valentina Shevchenko. We saw that again, as I said, in the Caitlin Chukagian fight where she gets her to the crucifix and elbows her into oblivion. The same with Jessica Andrade, most recently against Lauren Murphy in Houston, where within three minutes of that fight beginning, all of our questions, all of our thoughts, all of our ideas about that fight and how it would play out were confirmed. And kudos to Lauren Murphy for lasting as long as she did by being on the outside, but it was one-sided. And again, it's not because Lauren Murphy isn't a good fighter. We're going to see that again in a couple of weeks here when she takes on Misha Tate, which should be a competitive, entertaining, gritty fight between two very good, very skilled fighters and a former champion in Tate. But neither of them would look anything like champions being in the cage with Shevchenko, which is why it's surprising to me that we don't speak about her in these kinds of terms, with the kind of reverence, with the kind of raising her up to the level of some of these pantheon level champions and talents that we've seen in this sport before, because I think that's where she belongs. And it's not just, well, it is my opinion, but it's not solely an opinion. So we're going to go to the notes. We're going to go to the numbers. We're going to back this up with some receipts. Shevchenko, as I said, has successfully defended her flyweight title six times in a row now, which ties her for the most consecutive successful championship title defenses on the female side of the the roster in the UFC all time with Ronda Rousey, who everyone agrees and has since been enshrined as a first ballot Hall of Famer. A seventh win this weekend, a victory over Tyler Santos, would give her seven consecutive title defenses, which would tie her for jo- with Jose Aldo for fifth all-time. The four names ahead of them being John Jones with eight consecutive victories, George St. Pierre with nine, Anderson Silva with ten, and Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson with eleven. When you accomplish something that puts you in that company, Think about those five names and the last 15 years of this sport. If you had to pick out the five most dominant fighters, the five most decorated champions in the UFC over the last 15 years, so dating back to 2007, those are probably the five names you pick. Maybe Rousey gets in there. Absolutely worth worth considering. But outside of her, maybe you say Habib, sure, fine. Very shorter reign compared to some of these other champions. I would say that those five names are the five you go to. And anytime you accomplish something that puts you in that kind of exclusive group, it's not a fluke. It's not by happenstance. It's not because you're fighting lesser competition. It is because you are of the same caliber as those athletes, and I think it's high time and actually past time that we recognize Valentina Shevchenko as such. What I also think is interesting, and and it ties to this, is that we talk all the time with champions about how difficult it is to stay at the top of a division, right? The push to get there is a thing that every fighter 
knows and understands and strives for. And then getting there, you want to hold your spot for as long as you can. But after a couple of successful title defenses, and after beating maybe the, the top contenders in the division, constantly getting up for that next contender who maybe isn't quite at the level you expect them to be, who isn't, who is maybe there because you've beaten everybody else, who is maybe there because there isn't anyone else that has strung together enough victories to really solidify their standing as the number one contender, or they haven't gotten past the next person in line, the former champion, the Max Holloways of the division, the Joseph Benavidez's of the flyweight division back in the day. It becomes really difficult and can become really difficult for those champions and those athletes to train the same way and prepare the same way and maintain the same focus camp after camp, month after month, week after week to get up for these fights that don't feel like they have the gravitas of some of these other grudge matches or highly anticipated contests. We talked about that with Amanda Nunes when she lost the bantamweight title to Juliana Pena, that it felt like she kind of didn't really take it seriously, like she didn't really expect Pena to be as much of a challenge as she turned out to be. She thought that all the talk that Juliana Pena said was just sort of that positive affirmation, speak it into existence, but it wasn't really going to come to pass. And it showed in that fight. She came out and looked good in the first round and is smiling at her corner when she puts Juliana Pena on the ground against the fence. But then she has nothing in the second when she doesn't get her out of there. And I think it's because of that thing we talk about where getting up, right? It's the old Marvin Hagler. It's really hard to get up at 5 a.m. and do road work when you're sleeping in silk pajamas. It, it's a notable, familiar quote because it holds some truth. There is some validity to that. Now, there are exceptions, absolutely, obviously, but that's the reason those athletes stand out. It's the reason that the Demetrius Johnsons and George St. Pierre's and Anderson Silva's and on the boxing side of things, I know Canelo said, look, I sleep in silk pajamas and I'm still out here defending my belt, but he didn't last time. He, he went too far, he tried, and that's a different case. That's striving for greatness on a different level. So I'm not taking anything away from, from Canelo Alvarez. But more often than not, fighters don't get to this point where it's six and seven and eight and upwards successful title defenses because somebody comes along, you take a step back, you get a little bit older, the skills recede. But we're not seeing any of that from Valentina Shevchenko. If anything, I would argue we're seeing Valentina Shevchenko increase her level. This is a fighter that in her last four championship fights has earned three stoppages against terrific competition. As I said, Caitlin Chukagian, still the number one contender or the number one ranked fighter in the division. Jennifer Maya, a tough out, a, a gritty competitor that everybody got really excited about her winning a round against Shevchenko, which tells you how difficult it is to face this woman dominates Jessica Andrade in a fight where going in, we said maybe Andrade can use her strength and get inside and use some of those lifts and power and muscle. And Shevchenko spun her to the mat with body locks time and again with relative ease and climbed into a crucifix position and just battered her until there was nothing to do but stop the fight. Followed by the fight with Lauren Murphy that was just a 
terrific display of patience and precision and range and the full complement of her striking arsenal. And I think we look at that fight and we credit it or we attribute it to Lauren Murphy not being that good. And that's just not the case. Now, she's not necessarily a championship fighter. She's not necessarily somebody that is an absolute world beater. But she is a very sound fighter. She is a tough out. She is somebody that has gone gritty rounds with a whole lot of ranked competitors, a whole lot of talented, experienced, successful fighters. And Valentina Shevchenko went in there and made her look like she doesn't belong. And we're not seeing any of that slippage from Shevchenko. We're not seeing her start to lose focus and wade into other areas and talk about the other things she wants to do. And and truthfully, and I've written this multiple times and said it on Twitter, if there's anybody in the UFC that should be working towards and, and intimating that they want to move into Hollywood and get into action films, it's Valentina Shevchenko who should be Bond Jane Bond. Like, she is the international woman of mystery who speaks multiple languages and dances and shoots guns and looks good in an evening dress and can absolutely kick your ass. And yet, instead of doing that, she, her sister Antonina, their coach Pavel Fedotov, are continuing to do their travel around the world thing, where they go and do the things that they like in seeing other places and training different spots and getting time at the shooting range and going and dancing and eating great food and all of those things. But the focus remains on the training aspect, on doing the work, on getting better, on maintaining those skills. And that's the piece that differentiates her. That's the piece that distinguishes her above the rest of this group, above even some of the rest of this championship class that we have right now. And I think Kamaru Usman is the same way. I hope the champ gets back from his injury soon because I think he has a chance to follow in this lineage that Shevchenko is, this path that Shevchenko is is carving out right now as dominant, super focused, no interest in stepping backwards, no interest in sliding champions who are willing to take on all comers and make even the best challengers in their division look like they don't belong. But it's crazy to see that from somebody who is 34 years old, who has won eight straight fights and six consecutive successful title defenses and trying to make it seven this weekend against the challenger in Tyler Santos, who if she is matched up against anyone else in the division is probably a betting favorite, but in being paired with Shevchenko is a colossal underdog. Again, that isn't because Tyler Santos isn't talented. It is because what we've seen from Shevchenko over these last several years, and in truth for the totality of her UFC career, has been outstanding, has been pantheon-level greatness, has been the thing that you want to see from every fighter, and you, you wish, if you're a coach, that you could hold out that example and get all of your competitors to strive to be as great as her, because I truly believe she is the example. She is the one that fighter should be emulating, easy for me to say. She is the one 
that people should be looking at and saying, how does she do it? I want to do my best to replicate that. Because what she's doing seems to work. And now not everybody has the physical skill. Not everybody has the natural gifts. Not everybody has that work ethic and that focus. But that's the blueprint. That's the one to follow. That's the approach. Because she's been this dominant for this long and there's no signs of slowing down. And that's scary because we're at a point in this division's history, in this division's sort of life, where you would think she would be and where we started talking about this next generation that's coming and this next wave of talent that is coming that may be the ones that eventually challenge Valentina. But for right now, that group still feels far away, both in terms of the experience that they need to garner and in terms of what they could bring to the cage against Valentina. And the fact that it feels like we're still, the fact that we're still probably several years away from the Casey O'Neills or the Macy Barbers, the Aaron Blanchfields, the Miranda Mavericks, being at a point where they could stand in the cage with Shevchenko as a contender, as a title challenger, is crazy because I still think Valentina is going to be there in three or four years, if she chooses to be. I don't think this is going to be a situation where somebody's going to come along and knock her off her perch because they are good enough to do so. I think if she moves from the flyweight throne, it will be by choice. It will be an abdication rather than an ousting. And even more impressive than that, we're at a point right now coming up after this fight, provided she's successful in retaining her title on Saturday, where the options actually abound for Shevchenko and the chance for her to further solidify and further cement her standing as an all-time great and one of the best, if not the best fighter in the sport today are very much on the table. For the first time in a long time, Shevchenko has started talking about the 135-pound weight class. Again, for a lot of the time that she's been at flyweight, it has been, I'm just focused on this division. I just want to defend my title. I don't care who's next. I don't have any names. Just bring me the next competitor. Bring me the next challenger. I want to face them. I want to defend my belt. But as we stand at bantamweight with Juliana Pena atop the division with Amanda Nunes lined up to challenge her later this summer in their rematch after they're done coaching season 30 of The Ultimate Fighter. Shevchenko has started talking about maybe that's an option again because she clearly has history with Amanda Nunes and an unfinished business in her eyes, I would reckon, with Amanda Nunes, who she feels she beat the second time and knew that she was close to beating And if she had more time the first time, she probably would have beaten. And so she certainly wants that one back. She certainly wants to go out there and beat the fighter that everyone talks about and everyone describes as the greatest female fighter of all time. Because I do think that those things matter to her. I haven't had these conversations with her. And the minute I get the opportunity, I will absolutely ask. And I will reach out after this fight to try to do so. But she also has history with Juliana Pena, submitted her on Fox in a main event in the first round before she moved up. 
or before she moved down, sorry, to Flyweight, before she fought Nunez for the Bantamweight title at UFC 215 in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And I think she looks at that division now and says, I've grown, I've improved. Amanda's taken a step back, potentially. Looks like she did in that fight with Pena. So maybe that gap that was already not, not there wasn't even really a gap. They were neck and neck at 215. Maybe the tables have shifted a little. Maybe the balance of power has shifted a little in Shevchenko has edged forward, maybe a little, maybe a lot. We we might get to see towards the end of the year. And I'm sure she looks at Pena and says, well, that's someone I can beat. That's someone I can topple. I've done it once before. Why couldn't I do it again? I'm a better fighter now today than I was when I fought her the first time. And maybe it will take her being a two-division champion or questing for a second title for us to speak about her in the way we spoke about these different champions that made that same attempt, the way we spoke about Conor McGregor and Daniel Cormier and Nunez and Henry Cejudo as they all embarked on their double champ journeys. But I don't think it should come to that. I don't think it needs to be that because I think the body of work and the totality of what she's done and the skills that she brings to the table and the focus that we see from her already designates her as one of the absolute best in this sport right now. If not, I say it again, the very best, the most skilled, the most complete fighter in this division. Because I don't think there's an area where if you're setting up to fight her, if you're training to compete with her, that you can say, well, this is where she's, this is her weakness. This is the this is the area we can exploit. And we've seen that over these last several fights. And I think we'll see that again on Saturday against Tyler Santos, who physically, stature-wise, experience-wise that we've seen over these last four fights that she's won in the UFC, is a strong physical fighter that has met her opposition on their terms, backed them up, and dominated them. Now, on paper, that looks like somebody that could be a challenge for Valentina Shevchenko, that could present some interesting dilemmas, as Harry likes to say, for Valentina Shevchenko. But we thought that about Jessica Andrade, and we saw how that went. And so maybe Tyler Santos gets in there and grabs a body lock and spins Shevchenko to the ground, stumbling this morning, I'm tired. And we get going forward and we have a moment when we have a fight finally that is competitive. And we have to see Valentina dig deep and we have to see Valentina make adjustments on the fly. But I tell you what, sitting here on Monday morning at 10 10 a.m., I don't question for a minute that she is capable of those things if put in that position. I don't question that she's capable of understanding what Santos brings to the cage, what she feels in the first round or second round and making those correct shifts and adjustments. We've seen it time and again. We saw it in the Jennifer Maya fight. We've seen it as she's blueprinted and game plan and worked out how to beat each of these women since moving to the flyweight division. And I think we see it again on Saturday. And I think it's just one of those things that because she isn't as boisterous and vocal 
as some of her contemporaries because she hasn't had an opportunity to headline many shows. She's often been the co-main event, sort of the, the best supporting actor in all of these events, as opposed to the lead. We haven't necessarily talked about her in the hushed tones we reserve for the Demetrius Johnsons and Anderson Silvas and George St. Pierre's and John Jones, the four men ahead of her in terms of most consecutive successful title defenses, the fifth, Jose Aldo, included in, in there as well. We don't talk about her with the history-making, kind of glass-ceiling-shattering reverence that we do Ronda Rousey because she pioneered this movement and opened the door for women in the UFC. And that's fair and that's understood. But in terms of results, in terms of talent, in terms of production inside the octagon, I argued this going into the Murphy fight and I will argue it again now coming out of it. If you craft a top three or a top five fighters on the women's side of the sport in UFC history and Valentina Shevchenko isn't in your top three, we're going to have to have an argument. And I might, nay, I will argue that she's number one. And I know that that sounds blasphemous, given that Amanda Nunes beat her twice and won titles in two divisions and knocked out Cyborg and all of those things. But to me, creating these, these rankings and these lists and these kind of hierarchies isn't necessarily about just about head to head. They're overall measures, they're, they're, they're totality measures. And in the totality of what Valentina Shevchenko has done since those fights, and even in those fights, given that Nunes is the only person that has beaten her in the UFC, I would argue that the success she's had outside of those fights and in this division, where it is her natural weight class, only actually elevate how terrific she is, that she fought up a division and beat a former champion in Holly Holm, beat the current champion, Juliana Pena, and went toe-to-toe with a two-division world champion in Amanda Nunes. Maybe you don't agree. Maybe you put her third. Maybe you put her fifth. Maybe she's on the outside looking in for you because it, you know, you think that the competition she's faced has just been not that good. And so... It takes away from her reign. Sure, she's won six straight, but who has she really fought? That usual argument. But I'd love to argue it with you if you want. You know how to get at me. At Spencer Kite on Twitter. Jump in the comment section here because I think Valentina Shevchenko is the best fighter walking the planet right now. The most complete fighter walking the planet right now. And I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. And so I think it's time that we acknowledge her as such. I think it's time that we give her that due, that we give her that respect, that we speak about her publicly in that way, in our articles, in our tweets, in our podcasts, on our shows. Because the thing I don't want to see is Shevchenko lose at some point, because at some point, everybody loses. Just about 99.8% of fighters lose at some point. And I don't want to see that day come 
in a year, two, three, five, whatever it may be. And people then say, see, she wasn't really that good. She was just beating poor competition. Because that doesn't feel like it's the case to me. If that was the case, then the Caitlin Chukagians of the world and Jessica Andrages of the world wouldn't remain top three fighters wherever they go, whatever weight class they're in against whoever they fight. If that was the case, she wouldn't have handily beaten Joanna Janjacek, who was on a trajectory at one point to be the greatest female fighter in UFC history. If that were the case, she wouldn't run level with Amanda Nunes in two fights where the eight rounds between them are as close as you're going to see or as even as you're going to see. I think she is a special talent. I think she is a pantheon level fighter who deserves to be stationed alongside those greats whose records she is chasing. Those greats whose record she is right now working towards equaling or maybe besting. She's won eight straight fights in the UFC. And yes, that is miles away from Anderson Silva's 16. It is halfway there. It's seven behind Kamaru Usman's current 15 fight winning streak. But go through and look at who she's fought. Go through and and see where those fighters stand. There's only one layup in there, and it's Priscilla Cachoeira. Outside of that, it is top 10 competitors. Not even top 15 competitors. Top 10 competitors. Maybe even fully top 5 competitors at the time they fought. You don't win all of those fights, and you're not that competitive with Amanda Nunes if you're just fighting lesser competition. Her success is about her. Her success is about what she brings to the cage, what she does outside of the cage between every fight as she and her sister and their coach travel around the country and around the globe, finding places to train and constantly finding ways to work and always getting the work in because the work is what matters most. Valentina Shevchenko is an absolute superstar It's always boggled my mind that she's not a bigger star, both for the UFC and within this sport in general, amongst fans, amongst media, amongst whoever pays attention. My hope is that she gets there one day, but I also have a little bit of hope that she doesn't because I really like being one of maybe few people that seems to truly understand how special she is and what she brings to the cage. And how we're not going to see it very often from anybody else once the time does come that she opts to go and do something else rather than kick ass every six months inside the octagon.